Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home of the ASC North champion Cincinnati Bengals and the 2-8 and eight Cincinnati Reds. But that's what we're here to discuss about. This is Reds Group Therapy. We're going to have uh, Jeff Carr on here in a little bit. We'll get to him and we're going to be able to vent our frustrations about the Cincinnati Reds. But first, if you're watching the show on Twitter or YouTube and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button, hit the bell for notification, and every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing super chats. So if you'd like to make sure your comment gets read, or if you have a question for Jeff Carr or myself, and you'll make sure we read it, give me a super chat. I would greatly appreciate it. And always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, like I said, we're here for Red's group therapy because I would like to know what in the world they're trying to do. I think Jeff Carr would like to know what in the world they're trying to do. But we're going to try to have two Jeffs on the same show if we can figure it out. Let's get to Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, brother? How's it going, Jeff? Good to be here with you. When two Jeffs get together, the possibilities are endless. Exactly, exactly. It's it's very, 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 it's it could be thought-provoking. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of thought-provoking, um, somebody who wasn't thinking, I'm going to just jump into it right off the bat, was Phil Castellini. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, we, I cannot, still to this day, it's been over a week, still can't really tried to figure out what he was trying to accomplish with going at Reds fans who, I don't know, he needs to pay for tickets to go to his ballpark, to <laughs> eat his food, to check out all the nice stuff that they do there because they don't do anything to make the team any better. W what's your thoughts on that whole thing? Who weekend just to get him tuned in on TV anymore with this West Coast road trip. Um right. Yeah, no, I, I don't understand it at all. It, it felt like he was putting more pressure on a roster that they already put pressure on by getting rid of half of it. I, it's telling that the intro video that you have, which I love because I love getting to watch those dudes play. They're all of, the six, of the <laughs> six people that swung, only two of them are still with the team. There was right. a Tyler Naquin swing in there, and there was an Aristides Aquino. Yep. And there's no more Casty. There's no more Tucker Barnhart. Yep. There's no more A. Eugenio Suarez. It's all these guys being gone. And on top of that, there's injuries to begin this season. And the way that we're going to go about that is to keep three of the questionably injured players on the roster right? and make sure that like last night, for instance, the only bench player, the only bench player that was available was Aramis Garcia, the backup catcher, the guy who won the job out of spring training. It was absolutely 
just baffling to me that you're talking about. Okay. I love the fact that they're being optimistic with Jonathan India. That's a hamstring injury. I don't want them to be optimistic about it. I want them to be careful with it. Then they've got Nick Senzel who has been sick and he had that collision with Tommy Pham on the home opener. And you're just kind of wondering, maybe he needs a few days. I don't know, but they keep him on the roster. And then Moose, he's hurt. I, I think it's just, you know, in, inflamed um, outs or something like that <laughs> there at the plate. Uh, overall, it's just baffling to me exactly what they're doing with this ball club. It feels like they punted the first 11 games of the season. Dude, they punted on the whole freaking season. I mean, we were talking <laughs> about this, uh, you know, before the show started. And some people have come and asked me, and, and, and the first thing you do is, oh, you got fired a manager. This is David Bell's fault. Did you see the lineup last night? And I'm not a big David Bell fan. I mean, to be, to be honest, I think he, I call the mad scientist halftime. But yeah. what in the world is he supposed to do? <laughs> like, right. I mean, like with that, that lineup, I mean, I, Good. It's like that show Chopped. You ever watch Chopped yeah. on the Food Network? Yeah. I love that show. And they always give them weird ingredients. But it's like if David Bell was on this show and they're like, here's some gravel, uh, a burnt piece of toast, and some glass chips. See what you can do with that. This is how you, you're going to make a meal for us that is edible. How on earth is he supposed to put together a team like this? I get it. I understand. The, the bottom third of last night's lineup and, as, and even though Jake Fraley, I'm very excited to see what he can bring to the table. He's still not really good against left-handed pitching. And here he is in the lineup against the lefty. Those last three guys were just almost automatic outs. Colin Moran, I think in his first three at bats, saw six pitches and even had a strikeout in there. And he didn't look at any of them. I mean, there was the, the pitch chart, you know, like uh, you see on baseball salon or something like that of all of the pitches that the Reds swung at, I'm pretty sure like 25% of them weren't even anywhere near the strike zone. It was <laughs> laughable. Oh God. I mean, and the thing is, and you guys have said this on your podcast on, on uh, locked on Reds. And I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm done with uh, the Punisher. I mean, you guys yeah. said it, you throw it out low and away. He, he can't hit it. He, he literally can't hit it. So, right. You you brought it up like why is he is he getting playing time? Why is Tommy Pham getting playing time? If you're rebuilding, that, that's what I I don't understand. It's like okay, they were gonna rebuild. We're gonna trade uh uh, uh Wade Bond. We're gonna we're not gonna resign Nick Cassianos. We're not we're gonna trade Jesse Winker. We're gonna trade Eugenio Suarez. We're gonna trade Sonny Gray. We're gonna trade Tucker Barnhart. Like all those guys we traded. Be nice to have all of them. We traded them all. Right. So then you replaced them with Tommy Pham and Aristides Aquino. Mike Miner, who still hasn't right, played Mike, yet. Right, Mike Miner, who can't even get up here. Why? Like, was it going, oh, well, let's, let's throw the Reds fans a bone here. Here, we, we are trying to win. We'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll give you these guys. Like, what, the what's, what's their thinking? The only thing I can think of, uh, it, it, it's like it, it just put one and one together here. It, it It's like they were trying to check a box and say, well, look, we spent. We spent money. Yeah, we brought in Tommy Pham. We brought in Mike Miner. But just because you throw money into a fire pit doesn't really make you spent the money well. And yeah, sure, you're out that money. But at the end of the day, did you make the team better? Look, Tommy Pham had a great day yesterday. And I think that there's going to be a lot better times ahead for Tommy Pham in a Cincinnati Reds uniform. 
he's certainly not going to make us uh, forget about Jesse Winker. And then Mike Miner as a whole, I'm starting to wonder if they're not going to put him on the 60-day IL with that first rehab stint, and he complains of shoulder soreness after that first start down in AA Chattanooga. So altogether, it's really got me wondering exactly what the plan was because it seemed pretty obvious to me that they were going to do kind of a teardown and we're going to build up. There's a lot of guys that are coming up through this system. That's going to be here in 2023 and 2024. I'm really, I'm circling 2024 as a season that is worth going for it. A season that they are going to be ready for. The problem is they then made all these other moves and they're like, well, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to compete. We're going to compete, Jeff. Like th- this is going to happen. Right. It's like, Mm, I, don't, I don't think so. And I'm sorry, but but Reds fans, we're, we're not stupid. We, we know you're not trying to compete. You, you can say, and that's what the, 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 they kept saying. Oh, no, we're trying to compete. We're trying to compete. No, you're not. We know you're not. You're rebuilding. Just say you're going to rebuild. I hate it. I don't want to rebuild. But right. from what I've, I've read, mm-hmm. the minor leagues does have some talent. So like you said, maybe by 2024, give us something to look forward to. You know, saying, hey, all right, we're, we're a smart Smart baseball town, you know, you know, it might be turning into more of a football town now than a baseball town, but we're still <laughs> still a smart football town. So if you're saying we're going to rebuild for 2024, look at our minor leagues and you can bring up some of those guys that gives us some kind of, okay, we can go through this to get to this point. But if you're doing this and you're tearing it down, that, oh no, we're going to throw you, but we're going to, we're going to compete. What? Do you, no, you're not. What are you trying There's no direction here. Can you imagine if Phil Castellini would have been honest about that on opening day and said, Hey, look, we had a nice series against the Braves. We split with them. We've got a lot of young dudes that we're excited about. Sure. We might be taking a step back on paper, but we're building up to something here in a couple of years. I get it. Nick crawl said the whole deal about eliminating peaks and valleys and, we're sure as heck in a valley right now. Uh, but when you look at this roster, like you've got a lot of young, exciting guys. The fact that they couldn't hit the broad side of the barm unless their night and was Tommy Pham last night kind of overshadowed the fact that Nick Lodolo had a very nice start. Mm-hmm. He gave up, you know, the one two punch there in the bottom of the first inning. To, uh, yeah, to Austin Nola and to Manny Machado. But then after that, he settled down. And in fact, the same pitch that he missed his spot on and Manny Machado clobbered the ball. He then got Machado to strike out on. And the next time he faced him, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about with these young guys that you want to see happen. And Nick Lodolo, he's got the mind for it. I know he kind of lost it in his first start and he just blew up and went crazy. But I think overall that is absolutely an anomaly more so than the rule. And then you add in Hunter green, you're talking about two dudes that are going to anchor this rotation for years to come. And there's plenty of dudes in the bullpen to be excited about so far as like reaching their potential. They're not there yet. And we're seeing it and we're getting frustrated by it. I'm of course, but we're not talking about a bunch of retreads. We're not trying to throw Carson Fulmer out there or Cambodrosian or, you know, Heath Hembry guys right. like that, that we were like, oh, all right, well, sure. <laughs> Whatever's out there in the bullpen, I guess this is a better situation from that than last year. It's just all of these injuries are piling up. And the fact that they're not being honest about a couple of dudes who they probably should have put on the IL to begin with and call up some dudes from AAA has really put a, hamper on any sort of productivity this lineup can give us right exactly now now the way this this team is structured i I, i'm not so sure i'm sold on nick crawl 
as a GM because mm-hmm. I know he was given a pile of crap and told, you know, get rid of money. I understand <laughs> that. But if you look at the bench, there, what what was he trying to do with the bench? I mean, you, you, I know we had injuries, but just right now we're having injuries and we don't have guys to fill it. And I know they could have, like you just said, they could have put guys on the six-day IL and all that which, again, that's on Nick Crawl. Why aren't you doing that? You know, it doesn't make sense to me. And you had two guys for sure that you knew were most likely going to get injured. Mike Moustakis and Nick Senzel. They, they can't make – they haven't made it a whole season in the red uniform without being hurt for a long period of time. So those are things that I, I don't, I'm not sure I'm not sold on on uh, Nick Crawl yet as far as GM GM goes. No, I don't think so either. And I I give him I, I kind of give him a pass on the selling aspect because, like we said, that was a yeah. mandate. Like it's like right. this is your job, and it's your job to do this, and you and you either do it or we get somebody else to do it for us. But when it comes to building the roster and building the depth of this roster, that is on him. It's not right. as if you know, Phil Castellini like pointed at a list of players on the free agency and said, go get this guy. Like they said, okay, you've got a little bit of money here that you can play with. Go get us some guys that are going to help us. And so far that's not paid off. Now, 11 games does not make a season by any stretch of the imagination, but what we have seen from him over the last two years is that he just sort of seems to throw darts at like, guys on a dartboard and be like yep i think that guy is gonna work uh let's see as Drupal cabrera yeah we'll go for him and uh tommy fam let's see what we get here and colin moran yeah i hit that guy so i guess we'll sign him at the end of the day these guys i mean colin moran coming into this season the difference between you me and colin moran is that he had 0.1 wins above replacement more than the two of us wow <laughs> <laughs> for his entire career so That's- yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, a lot left to be desired when it comes to his ability to build a roster. Yeah, and, that, and and it's not like he was, and I'm not trying to bang on him, but he was not like no. he was a handpicked guy. I mean, he kind of was just the guy that was left over when um, why am I his name is slipped my Dick mind. Dick Waves. Thank yeah. you. When when he left, you know, he was a guy that was next in line, and I don't know if he was necessarily the guy they would have picked or whatever. I, you know, I think Dick Williams just saw the writing on the, on the wall and said, I'm out, <laughs> you know, well, I, I put, you know, he didn't want to see all the, the work he did in 2020, getting all these guys to having, I, I mean, I, I still say 2020 was a world series contending ball club. If you didn't yes. have the pandemic and everything else, you know, it was normal baseball season. I think they have a shot. And I think honestly, if that season had went different, I think the Castellini's would be a, if he attacking the last two seasons a lot differently too, but yeah. I keep saying it was a world pandemic. Everybody lost money and, and but no baseball team ever fa- falls in the red. So I get tired of hearing these small markets saying we don't have any money. We can't be, get, get out of here because this is my point from when I was growing up in the eighties and nineties from 1985 to 1995, the reds were competitive every single year, right. you know, in the eighties, they were from 85 to 89, they finished second. Now, that's back in the NL West when you only had, you had to win the, the division and then you went to the National League Championship Series and have all the playoffs. If they had that now, I think they would have won the playoffs multiple times in that decade, including the 90s, because, I mean, they expanded the playoffs in 94, and that's when they had a strike. And then 95, right. they made it. Um, so, and everybody said, well, it's different now. No, no, no. It's the Yankees were still outspending everybody. There's the, the Dodgers were still out. There were still teams outspending everybody. The Reds were just spending money, but they were being smart with it. And that stadium, that old 
cookie cutter riverfront stadium was full. <laughs> well, maybe right. not packed, but it was there was a lot of people there because it was a competitive ball club. And ever since we've gotten GABP, and I love GABP, and ever since mm-hmm. Marge Shock is gone, and say what you want about her, she wanted to win, and she did her best to put contain teams together from Carl Leonard now to Bob Castellini. We've had what four playoff four playoff teams. Yep, that's it. I'm like, and I don't know a city, a major league city, who would want to go watch that all the time. You want to win, right? And you're talking about of those four, two of the playoff appearances, they were in the playoffs for what felt like 20 minutes, and then they were gone. Yeah, uh, it was. It, it it's been frustrating to watch how they they put things together like that. Because yeah, I, I look back and I say gee like think about even if they just had the four playoff teams instead of the six like how many years in a row would the reds have made the playoffs back in the 80s and the 90s that, that would have been fun to see i, would, I mean I obviously not it, in the early 80s but yeah uh yeah. And, and now you look at this team and and they're trying to you know beg and plead like hey look you know we're, we're all right we're doing fine you know we won 80 games we won 83 games we're doing all right we, we got um, all kinds of cool food down here you can come and check out we got right. fry boxes and we got all this stuff there yeah go check that out mm-hmm. give me them fry box yeah and and that's <laughs> that's just the name that's the thing of it like win and you'll get people in like it's it yeah. people are tired of hearing about bobbleheads yes. people want to hear about win Put put it this way, I, I've said this is kind of the, the analogy I've used. If Mike Brown can get cheered down by Bengals fans, <laughs> yeah, it's then Phil Castellini can get cheered by Reds fans if you freaking win. You know they're right. going to come. We're going to support a winning. Look, look at the Cyclones. I mean they 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 had the 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 uh, Coliseum. I still call it the Coliseum. Whatever they call it down there now, Heritage Bank Arena. I think they call it. They had it almost sold out yeah. for a minor league hockey team. I mean when they won the two Kelly Cup. Uh, playoff games it was sold out the Bengals season every ticket this season is going to be sold out I mean you see football they won every game was sold out (laughs) you win we'll come you don't win we're not coming you you act like we should show up just because it's major baseball are you out of your freaking mind (laughs) we're not gonna I mean we're not gonna show up just because it's, I might go to one or two games, but if you're winning, hell, I might go to 20 games. If right. you're losing, I'll go to two or three. That's it. You know, I can watch them on TV. If they lose, I'll change the channel. Right. And the nice thing is whenever they're batting as poorly as they have been, games kind of last pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, no, overall, <laughs> g- give me a winner, man. Give me yeah. a winner. And I know that they're talking about, like, they want to develop, they want to draft, they want to develop from within, and that's how they're going to build a winner. But why on earth does it feel like they just came up with that idea yesterday? Like, it it seems like that should have been the idea all along. But Dick Williams saw where this team was headed at the end of 2018 and said, we got to pivot. We got to figure things out because people are being apathetic about this team with good reason because they haven't done anything. We are now heading again toward that apathetic, like, Oh, it's worse. I think it's it's worse now because of Phil Kessley. But I mean, we had six years of rebuild where they were supposed to develop players. Who did they develop? You know, Java, India, <laughs> Which him and and Tyler Stevenson? I think he was picked. What he was picked in twenty sixteen, I believe. Yeah, twenty eighteen. So you got Hunter so, Green and Lodolo. I mean, I get they, they yeah. but they were what eighteen, so they were actually after the quote unquote. Yeah, because uh, Green was twenty seventeen, and I think 
I think Lodolo was 2019. But yeah, it's like, you're not talking about guys that have come up through the system from 2014 on. Like right. that list is sadly, sadly very short. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have Parker's got to go in the, the one we did develop, we traded in Jesse Winker. Yeah. I mean, and that, that, that one, I, Jeff, I have to ask you this. And this, this one just boggles my mind. Jesse Winker is a young player. He's on the upward swing. He made his first mm-hmm. all-star game. He yes, he's arbitration eligible, but he's not making a ton of money. He's not making as much money as like Nick Castellanos got. Sure. Why in the hell did they trade him? Is it was it that uh, was it so much to them to, to get rid of Yohanio Suarez that they they threw Jesse Winker in there? I mean, that's the one that completely irritated. Me. Why would you trade your best young prospect? I mean, okay, Jonathan India probably is, but your second best one. What are you actually right. the, the one you actually developed and you traded him? I mean, I would just what the the only thing I can think of if I try to put myself in Nick Crawl's shoes, which that's hard to do. I'm not sure what size his shoes are. I might not fit. But when it comes to that trade, I look at Brandon Williamson and I say he's got a very bright future. I look at Jake Fraley and I I think he's going to be okay. Although most people figure him to be more of a fourth outfielder. So that's not exactly a one for one there when you're talking about Fraley for Winker and then Justin Dunn, who is hurt. And we most likely won't see him till July or August. He could be interesting, at least out of the bullpen for the Reds. The only issue with that was Eugenio Suarez did not have a bad contract. And, Nick Crawl made this blanket statement there at the beginning of the offseason that says, we will not attach prospects to bad contracts just to trade them away. So they attached an all-star to a bad contract? I, I don't I don't understand it at all. And when you're talking about trying to make that trade sound positive, you gotta squint. I don't even notice. I, I think I did that like just instinctively. Like, let's see. Yeah, you really gotta squint for that one. And we're not going to know for a few years. And I will say this. I saw Connor Phillips pitch, the player to be named later that we yeah. heard so much about He's whenever they talked good. about yeah. this trade. He did pretty well, at least in his first start there for the Dayton Dragons. So I'll be interested to see how these guys develop. And the full rating on the trade will probably be a few years away. But even still, it just it stings, man, because Winker and Suarez. Suarez has hit a couple home runs already. Like, he's he's bouncing back. He just did. Yeah, that, of course, he, he couldn't hit for us for the last two years, which I love Gino. Gino is one of my favorite players. I, I love him, especially the way he said Yeah, he was awesome. G-G. Yeah, he was great. Good vibes only. He's going to go to Seattle and, and knock the cover off the ball. And uh, this is and what Trey Potter here is saying. He said, we're nothing but a farm te- team for the rest of MLB. That's what you don't want your fan base thinking. I right. mean, if we're just a farm team, well, hell, you can go up to Dayton. And go watch them. You go watch the Florence Yalls. That's you know the far. It, you know it's an independent ball. Hell, go yeah. watch UC. I mean that's some Phil Castellini is like we're major league baseball. Like there's other places around here to go watch. Go watch high school baseball. There's if you just like watching baseball and good. You want to watch actual good baseball. You might want to go somewhere else other than GABP. So, <laughs> well, and anyway. you mentioned kind of going back into the '90s and stuff, and you kind of mentioned 1995. If you look back then, major league baseball was probably it's probably like the NFL and Major League Baseball neck and neck so far as popularity in sports. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now it has never been more clear that the NFL and the NBA are miles ahead mm-hmm. of Major League Baseball when it comes to just 
public opinion and, and how people view sports and, and what they would rather watch. So on top of that, you also got teams that are trying to tell their fan bases, we are not going to spend money. We are going to try to do this as cheaply as possible, but we're still going to be worth your time. That huh? seems really hard to me. <laughs> what? That makes no right. sense. I mean, I mean, I mean, the thing is, what, what, what's killed me here is, is, is what's Einstein's theory of, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, we already did this quote unquote rebuild back in, you know, 2016 to 2020 and it worked. Now we're, we're going to go do it again. And you, you think people should show up here. And, and well, I mean, as far as baseball goes, as, as far as commissioners goes, I call him a clown. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know if he even, watch or is a fan of baseball i mean just just the stuff that you know he called the world series trophy a piece of metal or a piece of tin or whatever in the world he right? called it <laughs> dude Talk you're about an ambassador for your game right it's like you are the commissioner of this league and you don't even know what the hell the trophy's called i mean just i don't know right. it just so that that right here goes to to, to the other where i think baseball they're trying to change everything so much and to me People say you should get rid of the shift and all that stuff. My thing is, they're major league baseball players. Hit the ball where they're not. <laughs> you know, I mean, and the thing is, if these guys would stop trying to hit home runs all, and I don't know how you change this, but if you try to stop hitting home runs all the time and stop striking out and just put the ball in play and more action, the game is 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 more fun. And if you ever bring back. The running game because it's it's nowhere close to what it was. Like, and again, I'll go back to the to the A's when I kid, and I'm gonna hate to say this with a Tweety Bird, St. Louis Cardinals were one of the funnest teams to watch. You had Willie McGee, you had Vince Coleman, I, I, they were running all over the place. I mean, the Reds were fun back then too. You had Barry Larkin, Chris Sabo, Eric Davis, they were stealing bases and, and, and flying around the base, pad, base pads. Now it's just station to say it's American League baseball, as and that was the big difference between National League baseball and American League baseball back when I was a kid. National League baseball. You'd run, hit and run. You know, the pitcher would bat. You'd steal a lot. America baseball was more station to station, swinging for defenses. That's the way it is everywhere now. And every, and people would actually spray the ball to different parks of the ballpark. Again, I don't know how you uh, fix that, but that's that's the problem to me. No, no. And, and I I look at this and I say, when it comes to the shift, Everybody knows that the best way to beat the shift is to hit the ball over it. And from the contract perspective, people who hit home runs get paid a lot more than people who don't hit get paid or people get paid a lot more to hit home runs than to not. So there's, there's all this just focus on trying to clobber the ball out of the ballpark and you don't see a lot of situational hitting anymore. That was something that, and as much as I hate to mention this guy, because I really wanted to see him succeed as a Cincinnati Red, but that was something that Shogo Akiyama was billed to do. He was going to come over. He was going to be an on-base machine. He was going to be the kind of dude that could control and be a slap hitter and kind of hit the ball where they weren't. He just never really could figure out Major League Pitching especially when it came to the velocities and things like that. It's very, very different in the major leagues as opposed to any other league in the entire world. So overall, you look at this and you've just got a bunch of dudes and you've also got pitchers who try to pitch into the shift. So they're throwing inside. They're trying to get that hitter to roll over on it, to pull it, to hit to their pool side. And whenever you've got dudes that are just swinging for the fences up there, that's really 
what you get. And in fact, that's one of the reasons that Kyle Farmer has been so successful to begin this season. In fact, if you look at the most consistent hitter in the Cincinnati Reds lineup, it's far and away Kyle Farmer. And one of the biggest reasons for that is he has been able to take the pitches that he gets and just work with what he has. He does not try to turn a pitch that you're not going to be able to turn on into a home run over the left field fence. So I have a question. Are, are you a, a guy that, that wants to uh, get rid of it? Cause the crazy Carl here is telling me I, I, got, I got terrible takes, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, are you got a guy that uh, wants to get rid of the ship or are you like me where I'm like, you guys should be able to just hit the ball to whether or not. I, I'm not going to lie. I kind of like what they're doing in uh, the minor leagues like Dayton right now, they have the limits on the shift. You have to have two guys on either side of second base with their feet on the infield uh, before the pitch is thrown. I kind of understand that in this day and age, we we've turned the infield into just a bunch of dudes. Like there's a reason Mike Mustakas can still play the infield. It's because mm-hmm. you can shift the cover. Like if you had to tell him that he had to cover, you know, a quarter of the infield, he's not going to do it. We've seen it already. His range isn't there. And Kyle Farmer, as good as he is at shortstop, he's a very fundamentally sound shortstop, just does not have the range that a a hopefully healthy Jose Barrero will have. So with all of that, the shift definitely helps the Reds infield. But I would like to see some more action. I mean, you see a lot of guys that really get that liner into short right field and you've got either the shortstop or the third baseman or whoever that is that's standing in shallow right field that takes that hit away. Do I think that we should be helping out major league hitters who worked all of their life to get to this spot? I don't really think so. But if you're talking about growing the game and if you're talking about getting people interested in watching, you got to figure out what it is that has kind of slowed things down. And as it stands right now, the three true outcomes of homers, walks, or strikeouts are just so heavy because they know that uh, they don't have to worry about the shift if they do one of those three things. Right. Even exactly. those strikeouts, those suck. No, oh, they're they're boring, boring to watch. For a hitter anyway. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now you brought up Jose Barrero now, and you brought up uh, uh, Kyle Farmer. Now Barrero, I thought was slated to be the starting shortstop, but he got hurt in yeah. uh, spring training. So that. I guess pose a question to how good Kyle Farmer is playing, not only hitting the ball, but also defensively. I, I think he's got the highest, highest ranked of percentage wise, as far as fielding goes for shortstops. Am I, am I right on that? I believe so. I don't pay a ton of attention to fielding yeah. percentage. I thought, I thought I saw that the other night of the game, yeah. um, but I know, I know he's, he's had a very, very good uh, fielding percentage now with us trying to rebuild and look to the future. And they did stick Jose Barrero out in the outfield last year. When he comes back, is he going to be at shortstop? Or are they going to? You think they might stick him out in center field? I believe they should put him at short. If uh, Nixon Zell is struggling with health or struggling at the plate or something like that, they may uh, move Barrero to the outfield for a little bit. But I believe that the ideal lineup actually has Kyle Farmer playing third base and has Jose Barrero at short. I have said before that I think ho- that Kyle Farmer's best value to the team is that as that super utility player. But I think I'm a little bit wrong in that because we have seen what the Reds' third base position is like so far this year between Mike Mustakis and Colin Moran playing third base. And I think I think Brandon Drury might have been there for like a minute. But overall, I want to see Kyle Farmer at third. I want to see Moose at DH, if at all, and definitely not against the left-handed pitcher. And Colin Moran just 
fill in where need be. But give me Kyle Farmer at third base because I, I think Jose Barrera is going to figure it out. And that's really what we're waiting for is what he does at the plate. His plate discipline over the first couple of years in the major leagues have, has left a lot to be desired. But I think once he figures that out, once he figures out how to read major league pitching, he's going to be phenomenal because he has those tools. It's not a guy that we're just hoping is going to hit. He's right. got the ability to do that. He just has to get the plate discipline thing down. And I question from Crazy Carl. He said, uh, Jeff, do you think Bell is making a mistake by batting Steve- Stevenson fifth? I think right now I'd be interested to see him batting third because I think Stevenson has been one of the other bright spots in a lineup that is otherwise very, very uh, dark and shadowy and not very good at all. <laughs> um so I, I would like to see him batting third. The only issue is I kind of like him fifth because it gives Joey some form of protection that makes pitchers have to throw at least a few strikes to him because as of right now, they're doing their best to pitch around him and Joey is swinging at all of that because he wants to do something. He wants to get a hit. He wants to bring some dudes in. He's not that dude that's just sitting back and, and content taking a walk like lots of people enjoyed harping on him about in years past so he is trying to be that aggressive hitter but because pitchers don't really fear the rest of the lineup so much you got to have a dude behind him because think of this if you put tommy fam fifth i get it he was a triple shy of the cycle last night but pitchers really aren't that scared of him so they're right. going to just pitch around joey all day long now the other thing interesting i i heard that vado is doing this year and i don't know if he switched back or not but i know he's doing it at the beginning of the year with the uh the baseball bat, it's got like a, a hockey puck or something on it. I don't, I don't totally understand understand the concept of that or what it looks like. What is? Do you know a little bit about that? That you can explain that? Yeah. So he's he's still using it. I know he had it last night at least, and he was changing up his stance a little bit last night, which kind of gave me pause a little bit. But they said that it was against the lefty, he would crouch down a little bit more. But then whenever they brought a right-handed pitcher in, he stood straight back up again and really was a lot taller in the box. The bat itself, the reason they call it a hockey puck, is the bottom of it is a very thick, it's not quite as wide as a hockey puck is, but it's very thick and it almost makes it look as if he is choking up on the bat a little bit already, but he's still holding it down at the bottom. And with that, it gives him, it's supposed to give him the at least the illusion of more control of the bat while also still balancing with the heavy weight of the hockey puck there at the bottom. As of right now, it really hasn't changed much, and you can almost debate that it's it's made him worse because he's had quite a few strikeouts over the last five games. He actually but popped think, up to the first baseman in like three years too. <laughs> I saw that, right. like. and he he popped uh, he popped he popped out into foul territory yesterday as well, which is something he doesn't do very much of either. So I think that he's probably going to give it a little bit more time to see just how well he can play. But overall, he is pressing. He himself is trying to will this lineup out of its slump. And because of that, you're seeing a lot of just bad at bats from Joey. I, I think it's going to come around. I think the hockey puck's going to work out. I don't, I'm not going to be that guy that sits here and says, dude changed his bat and he's changed back. Whole reason <laughs> he sucks is because his bat. That's right. not the case. Right. The oh, whole reason he sucks, I think he's, he's, he's trying too hard because he's trying to make up for. He's just Winker not being there, Nick Castellanos, and everybody we lo- we lost. Now, some people brought this up with with the the Reds in their eight game losing streak. Is you know last year 
I think Nick Castellanos really took on a leadership role as far as, you know, hey, we're this is this ends here. We're we're done. We're not gonna lose, you know, we're not gonna lose anymore. We're gonna, you know, try to step up and, and take charge and, and get the wins. And Vado has never been that guy. I mean, yes, he's his personality is coming out more. He's doing TikToks, doing social media stuff, which he's freaking phenomenal on, on. You should go watch him if he's on there. But is Vado that guy that's which I think he should be? I think he has to be that guy on this team right now. But is he that guy that says, look, we're we're done. We 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 gotta start making the right plays. We can't be getting thrown out at first base, you know, what Kyle Farmer did the other night when he didn't look where the ball was going. He got thrown out at first base trying to trying to get back where the ball was hit the left field. I mean, you, you can't make these mental mistakes. And that, that to me, it's like somebody, and that's that's one thing this team can at least fix. You know, they might not be that good, but these mental mistakes have got to get fixed. And maybe Joey Votto is the one to step up and say, hey, let's go. Right. That went and and real quick on that one, that was a called play. They did try to do a run and hit there. The only problem was uh, he was uh, Kyle Farmer wasn't watching whenever yeah. um have his, his head up. <laughs> Fraley. Yeah. Fraley, yeah, Fraley hit, hit the left field and he... fly. Yeah. I that was one of those things like if he had kept his head up, he might have been able to see it and turn back in time, but he was going on the pitch. Like right. he was full speed breaking for second. But but no, the 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 point still is is there. There's some things he probably could have done to make that work better. Right, but well, we talk about Tommy Fam and, 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 and Nick Senzel running into each other. Stuff yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's there's place. plenty. There's yeah, yeah there's <laughs> there's plenty to be had. And I wonder, Joey. I don't necessarily think that because Joey is being more social, he's going to be the rah-rah guy. He has yeah. said before in interviews, he's just like, we're all adults here. I, I don't need to be that guy. I think the guy that probably should take that role is Mike Mustakis, which is funny to say because right now we're just thinking of him as an afterthought. But personality-wise, that's how everybody's always described him, is that he is the leader type. He, he reminded a lot of people of Scott Rowland. Mm -hmm. people who got the chance to see him so i think that he would be that dude to step in but the thing is he's had his own problems to start this year so it's like to worry about his teammates he's got to fix himself first so yeah you're, you've got a leadership void that was created by all of the people who departed there's no more tucker barnhart and you could say that maybe tyler stevenston steps into that role but we're talking about a dude who just got handed the reins of being catcher one this year so for him to become that guy, he's got to earn that respect. And then you look in the outfield, there's a lot of a lot of uh, players have said that Tyler Naquin kind of has a nice personality. He's fun to be around, jokes a lot and stuff like that, but he's not going to be the rah-rah guy. Then you look at the rest of the outfield, Tommy Pham came into Cincinnati talking about revenge for other teams that slept on him and stuff like that. So Tommy Pham is, while he's singularly focused, his singular focus, if it comes to fruition, is going to help out the Reds. But that doesn't lead yourself to being a rah-rah leader either. So I think overall, there's really only one guy in this roster that can do it, and he himself is just going through the mightiest of struggles right now, and that's Moose. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's hard to be a leader. One, you're struggling. Two, you can't stay on the field. So, I mean, that, that's right. that's where it, that, that does present a problem. And I don't think there really is a guy uh, on this team for that. Yeah. I mean, it might, it might be Moose, but that's that's another thing though, as the way this team was constructed. And that's one thing I, I fell in love with the team last year. The team last year really took on Nick Cassianos's his attitude, just yep. the the win. I win at all costs. We're we're here to win. You know, we're coming at you. We're intense. 
you know, it was a bat flipping showboat and son of a guns for the first, you know, half of the season. That, that, that was so much fun. We were making t-shirts and having fun watching them and, and that's all gone. And that's where it's, it's, I, that's hard to replace. Do you see that report about Scott Boris contacting Bob Castellini? Yep. Dur- during the off season. Uh, yep. That was Got frustrating. It. Yeah. Yeah. Where he called him. <laughs> yeah. He literally called him up because Nick Cassius wanted to come back to Cincinnati. He literally he wanted to be here. He wanted to be yeah. here. And that's where, and, and I, I thought it was interesting when he had his first interview in Philly, you know, he's not so many words said it's nice to be where I'm not going to quote it exactly right, but nice to be where a team where ownership wants to win. Yep. And I'm like, well, that's a complete shot at the Reds ownership. And some people are like, oh no, I don't think that. I think that's just him. I'm like, no, I think that's a complete shot at the Reds ownership because he wants what has Nick Cassiano said when he got here? His first uh, uh, press conference. What do you want to do? I want to win. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. You know, he wants to win, and you know, and and that's and he knows they had a team last year, and that's what was so frustrating about the team last year. And I, like, yeah, uh, he's he's going to go down as one of my favorite Reds ever, despite the fact he was only here for two years, and it's because of that mentality. Like, you just can't replace a dude like that and that's why it it sucks to say that you're not going to have that dude on the roster right now but Nick Castellanos is one of one you're not going to get another dude like him and and all the different ones uh, the interviews that he did talking about ownership and then he was talking about how you know baseball comes down to ownership and and Phillies fans uh, should be grateful that they have the owner that they have who is being aggressive and going for it and I definitely think that was a subtle shot at what was going on uh, behind the scenes. And, and that was the other thing too, about Scott Boris's call reportedly to Bob Castellini. Whenever he said that Castellanos wanted to come back, he sa- said that Bob Castellini or Phil Castellini, I forget which one um, said that, yeah, we're, we're actually trying to get faster in the outfield and get better defense. It's like, really? <laughs> that's what, that that's what we're going to do, huh? Mm. And they traded for Jake Fraley and they signed Tommy Pham. So yeah. Yep. yep. Miles better than yep. uh, Nick Castellanos, I guess. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, that's one thing I, I'll give Casty credit. He was a better outfitter than than I thought he was going to be. I mean, he worked his butt off because he did not want a DH. You know. Oh yeah. So I, I know he, he he was better than than I, I thought it was going to be. But anyway, it's this whole season is. I, I hope it gets better. I mean, it's got to get better, right? I mean, yeah. There's only been one team, the 1982 team, that's lost 100 games. This team won't lose 100 games. That's what I was going to ask. Are we, are we heading that direction? Because some people ask me that. I'm like, I don't know. I hope not. No, I, I worry. I put a I put a sizable wager on the over at 73 and a half. I'm worried about that. I don't think they're going to lose 100 games. I think uh, you're probably still talking around 75 wins. I'm coming down from that because I was at 77. But I'd say 75 wins probably still is where they will be at the end of the year. They're not going to be in the playoff conversation at all. I kind of thought they might be until at least July and might keep us uh, it, it, at least excited until training camp comes around, but uh, don't even know if that's going to happen. Now, now we're going to be talking about the young pitchers and we're going to be talking about young players that come up and, and start developing and stuff like that. But I think that a lot of their issues right now do stem from injuries and the fact that they've just not managed the roster very well around these injuries. So when those guys come back healthy, I think they'll start to hit their stride. It's just how far back are they going to be by the time that happens? Like, right. 
right now there's seven games under 500. Like, are we going to be at 10 games under 500, 15 games? Or God forbid, are we going to be 20 games under uh-huh. 500 by the time they finally figure this out? Like, oh, God. Yeah, you're talking about a huge hole at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 would be a huge deficit to try to dig out. Now, one more more quick question here. You've been out for like 43 minutes. I appreciate it. Um, oh, yeah. Nick Senzel, if he could stay healthy, he would make such a huge difference for this yes. team. The guy, he he's sick, injured, whatever it is right now, he can't stay healthy. He's never in the four years, five years he's been up. He's not. Ben, hell, he hasn't finished the season yet. Right. Are you still willing to give him a chance, or are you kind of done with him as far as like you are with RST Zucchino? Because the best availability, the best ability is availability, and he's never available. Right. I honestly, I think I'm still willing to just because he's the best center fielder on this roster when healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the biggest reason that I am not done with him yet is who else is going to play at right. this point. Like, right. I think you, you would probably say, okay, when he's healthy, maybe Jose Barrero pushes him a little bit in center field, but I want Jose Barrero to play shortstop. I don't want right. him to worry about playing center field because exactly. when you play one, you're not going to play the other. Just can't <laughs> do it. It's well, hard to play two positions in one game. <laughs> um, but I, I would like to see Nixon Zell at least get a little bit more of a run because I think he's going to be back in the lineup tonight. I still haven't seen them post a lineup, which maybe they're trying to figure out if he's available and ready to go. But um, I think he's still got a shot to play 140 games here. And if he does that, then I think we're going to see a dude that helps this team out and helps them win more than they're going to lose. Oh, absolutely. And I think if he stays healthy, he said at the beginning of the year he wants to win a gold glove. In center field, Jonathan Indy yep. said he wants to win a gold glove at second base. I think both of them have a, a chance to do it, but right now both of, of them are injured. Now, another thing that this is always the the argument too with with uh, Nick Senzel is, oh, we should move him back to third base. And I keep telling everybody, he's like, have you seen him play center field? He's a pretty damn good center fielder. I I, I would I would keep him there, but then people have told me like, well, that's why he gets injured. He he could get injured in the infield too, just as much as he could in the outfield. He's not getting injured by because he's running in the wall. I mean, he did a couple of times, but. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think he's too good of a center fielder to move him. I think Nixon Zell, and especially if he has health issues this year beyond what we're seeing right now, if that continues, we're going to call him the most unlucky athlete in Cincinnati history. Like he's going to take over from Tyler Eifert because what he does, the, the injuries that he endures, they aren't building on each other. It's not like, oh, he keeps tearing the same hamstring or he right. keeps straining the same ligament or whatever like that. It's like, oh, he's got a bum ankle. Now he's got a bum shoulder. Now he's got a bum knee. Now he's got a bum, I don't know, his forehead's hurting or something. He got like, deviated septic. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's like completely <laughs> random stuff. It, and it comes out of nowhere. And this one, this one really, I mean, sure, you could talk about communication issues with this one, but getting headbutted in the chest really isn't something that you're trying to prepare for when you're a baseball player. I mean, maybe if you're a UFC fighter, but not when you're playing baseball. So it's one of those things that I'm just like, man, I just, I can't sit here. Like he's injury prone because he's unlucky, not because he's injury prone. If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. I mean, the crown says they're calling the minister of glass. (laughs) Mr. Glass. Yeah. 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 He's a good dude. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> anyway jeff as always i appreciate you jumping on especially on the short notice for today 
Tell everybody about Locked On and whatever else you want to promote before I let you get on out of here. Absolutely. You can find Locked On Reds wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube as well. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Reds. Follow myself at Jeff Carr with three Fs and then follow my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. He's got two Fs in his name. Needs one more F. He's, he's like yeah. he's like low on an F. But uh, we're having fun this season. Regardless of what the Reds are going to do in the win-loss column, we're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to want to check it out. Awesome. So do you ever make fun of him because he doesn't have enough Fs? You know, it's like, I nah, he makes fun of me because I got too many. No, no, you got more. <laughs> that, that's better. That's cooler, right? Anyway. More Fs wins, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go, brother. All right, Jeff, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Talk to you later. Absolutely. See you, man. See All right, guys. Got a little red stock there because we always talk Bengals. We have draft come up here in less than a week. I can't wait for it. Um, very excited to see what the Bengals are going to do. We'll find out. I'm still going to watch the Reds, see what they're going to do. Um, I am with Jeff. I would like them to, if they're going to rebuild, just get rid of the guys that aren't going to be part of the future and bring some people up and let's build toward 2024. If that's what we're doing, you know, have a plan, stick with it. I think that's what most Reds fans would like to see. At least, at least look like you're having a plan right now. It looks like your plan is to just cut payroll and spend less money. That looks like your plan. And that plan doesn't be- benefit us at all. We don't have a winning baseball team or a perceived winning baseball team in the future. It looks like you just want to cut payroll. And you want us to show up down there for hot dogs and beer and the great baseball park we have down there, which most Reds fans aren't going to do because we want to win. Anyway. Let's get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream, and I appreciate every single one of them. They're Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Cincinnati Reds, Riding Third, Heading for Home, the Ohio State Bucknuts, Bearcat Ruckus, Bearcat Country, and the Ice Bar. And then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopol. TikTok is at Iceman90. If you want to listen to whatever me and Jeff Carr were talking about, as far as the Reds, and you don't want to watch it, go check out the podcast. It's on Beanpod, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher Play, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please give me a five-star review. Please leave a comment some more. Since I Reds, Bengals fans, since I sports fans in general can find my podcast because I am one of the only YouTubers that I know of that covers everything. You know, like Reds, Bengals, Bearcats, I try to cover them all as much as I possibly can. So, thanks for your support. I always appreciate it. YouTubers, we're at 1,583. That is awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed some of the short videos I've been doing. Check them out. They're on the channel. And other than that, as my boy, Jeremy Dimebag D likes to say, remember one thing and one thing only, and that is you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati, so act like it. Who day? And that's just sports, baby. See ya!